You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now... Here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. And here we go again. Hopefully everybody is having a great week. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I tell you what, I had a guy bail on me tonight. Um, So what did I do? I flipped through my phone, I text one buddy, he didn't respond, and I call... Adam Parr out of Colorado. He's been on the podcast a couple times. I say, yo, Adam, can you do a podcast? And he's like, yo, Dan, yes, I can. So today we have a mini BS session where we talk, uh, we just BS, basically two buddies on the phone talking about elk hunting, talking about whitetail hunting in eastern Colorado, whitetail hunting in Iowa, and whitetail hunting in Kansas, and a little bit of everything in between. And we pack it all into a 30-minute conversation, real short, real sweet, real to the point, really effing awesome. So that's what you're getting in today's podcast. But before we get into today's podcast, Fred Doherty of Wasp explains why Wasp has a very good variety of broadheads. Wasp thinks it's important to offer a variety of broadhead styles to our consumers because uh, everybody wants something a little bit different. Some people like a smaller diameter cut in a fixed blade. Some people like a larger diameter cut in a mechanical blade. Uh, So we offer everything in a fixed blade from inch up to inch and three sixteenths. Our mechanical heads, inch and a quarter, inch and five-eighths, inch and three-quarter, and even two-inch. So we like to feel that we can offer something for everybody uh, because there's every, every archer is different, every style of hunting is different, even the animals that you hunt are different. So with Wasp, you get many choices. All right, guys, if you want to find out more information and to see what broadhead is right for you and your setup, go to wasparchery.com. Check out their heads. They have fixed and mechanicals. I think you'll find something that you like. And when you do decide to purchase online, use the code 9FINGERS at checkout and you will save 25% off your purchase. That's a really good discount. And that is nine fingers for the discount code. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, no spaces. And you'll receive 25% off. 
awesome deal. Now, let's get into this mini BS session with Mr. Adam Parr. All right, here we are. And uh, before I introduce my guest, I had a guy bail on me. So I'm sitting here going, man, I really want to put out a podcast uh, tomorrow, which is actually today if you're listening to it. And I scroll through some names. I text I text one of my other buddies. He's got kids. He doesn't respond. So I'm like, man, who's single and doesn't have kids? So I call Adam Parr up. He answers. I say, you want to do a podcast? He says, yes. So here we are. Adam Parr, thank you very much. Hey, Dan. No problem, man. Anytime. Happy to be here. So I don't have a lot of time tonight. I was thinking we talk, we just BS for about 30 minutes and uh, just give a little mini BS session and the listeners get what they get. Sounds like cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So um, for those of you, for those who don't know, uh, Adam works for Quiet Cat. You're the uh, head of marketing over there and you also live in Colorado and you've, we've also done a hunter profile podcast um, with you about an elk hunt, but so I'm, what I'm getting at is go listen to those podcasts, uh, with quiet cat and with, um, uh, Adam on his elk hunt today, we're going to do a BS session. Uh, but first question I want to ask you is what have you been up to lately? Oh, really? For me, I've just been doing a lot of shed hunting. Oh, it's kind of the season to, pick up elk antlers is pretty much what I've been after right now. So that's been pretty much majority of my time. Uh, I've done a little bit of turkey hunting, but not really too much. The season goes till the end of the month out here. So we'll see if I can make something happen there. And then just been shooting my bow and getting prepped and doing a little bit of workout routine and getting in shape. So a little bit of everything. Nice. So you have Merriam's out there or Rio's? I believe they're Merriam's. I'm I'm not I'm not too big with turkey hunting to be honest. <laughs> I don't even know what's out here, but I I believe they are Merriam's. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned shed hunting. I know out west shed hunting is a huge big thing. Guys are finding truckloads of antlers and then they sell them by the pound or whatever. Yeah. Um, have you found any elk or mule deer sheds out there yet? Yeah, I've probably. I don't know. I've probably picked up 10 or so mule deer and oh, probably four, four or five elk antlers. Nothing, nothing great. I found a few match sets of, of mule deer that were actually pretty good. Uh, but I, I really like the elk. They're just, it's just cool finding a big, big brown elk shed. There's nothing like it. So it's a lot of fun. Right. So th- those take up a lot more room than a whitetail shed. Uh, how, how many have you found this year? Elk sheds? I can't remember exactly. I think it's like four or five, but okay. I might, I'm doing a big hunt this weekend where me and a buddy are going to go in, spend all day in this area. And, and, uh, I, we, we went there last weekend. We were supposed to go last weekend. They got dumped with like eight inches of snow. So it kind of just turned into a scouting mission. We hiked up there and actually glassed 10 bulls in that drainage. So I, and there was a few that were still holding, so but we'll we'll get in there this weekend. Hopefully, we'll find a pretty good amount, come out with some heavy packs. So that should be pretty fun. Awesome. So, how far in are you? You're gonna have to hike to get to where these bulls were at. 
Yeah, that's that's the tough thing is you have to hike, at least for this spot, is about three miles before you even get into anything that's like decent. Yeah. You know? um, they like secluded areas, so you, you've got to get off the beaten path. They're higher... They're higher elevation than than what mule deer are, so you, you've got to put in some some time and really spend the entire day to really uh, to really cover it effectively. A couple weekends ago, we did an overnight trip, which was pretty fun. We went in and and uh, with our packs and and tent and everything, and and just set up camp after the long day, and then hiked out of there. So that was pretty cool. Right. Let's see. Since the last time we talked uh, about your elk hunt this past September, we uh, uh, you also mentioned that you've been out to eastern Colorado and you chased some whitetails. How did that turn out for you? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I didn't end up killing anything. I uh, So I didn't get my Kansas tag. I applied for that and didn't get drawn. It's a dr- Everything's draw for non-resident. So I just bought a leftover uh, deer whitetail tag, archery, and uh, kind of just went out early fall and started kind of knocking on doors and ended up getting some access to a couple private pieces. One w- didn't turn out, you know, holding any deer, and then the other one was basically just all CRP, just a giant CRP field. It's twelve hundred acres, two two uh, squares, and. Uh, so, um, you know, I didn't hunt it a ton. I, I got out there and pretty much it's all, it, it, it is all spot and stock. So yeah. I would, I'd sit in glass from the road or there was like this old, um, it's actually like an old grain truck and it was like the highest point that I'd get up into and I would actually use that as a vantage and, and kind of glass. And then I would, I would get in there and stock, but I, uh, I didn't end up killing anything. I had some decent bucks, some decent encounters. I actually missed one. I was actually using a heads-up decoy. I think yeah. you talked about it on the show before. And, uh, man, that thing was – that was too cool. I, I uh, spotted this buck from the road. He was kind of cruising. This was mid-November, so right in the heart of the rut. He was, he was all alone. And I uh, kind of got a – vantage on him and i went around to the other side drove the truck over there parked grabbed the decoy went in with the wind in my face and and uh within a couple hours i had kind of located him and and found him and and uh so he he locked onto that decoy which is is the coolest thing i've never had that happen before but you know he he basically locked on coming over to kick my butt or what he thought was thought was a intruder and he 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 came within about 20 yards and i drew back everything was good i let off the arrow and and you're hunting in crp so it's all tall grass you know and you think you think you've got a clear shot but it turned out it wasn't i had a clear vision but the uh the arrow obviously didn't so it caught the tops of the grass and just fell short and that buck lived to see another day but it, right. I, overall, it was an awesome encounter. And, uh, yeah. So and I, I've had, like, you're like the fourth or fifth person now who has told me that these heads-up decoys things are the real deal. What For those who don't know what a heads-up decoy is, what is a heads-up decoy? So it's a two-dimensional 
decoy. It's really, the whole the whole uh, concept of it is something that's packable, portable, lightweight that you can kind of keep in your pack and uh, pull it out and and set it up uh, rather quickly or strap it to your backpack so it's ready to go. But everything's lightweight. Um, I actually have one for turkey hunting. I'm looking for it. I have used that as well, and that's it's just really cool. But it's really more designed for you can use it as a stationary decoy. Like I've set it up in front of me, just in a, a ground position, ambush type scenario. Try to call something in. Um, but it's really cool when you can you can uh, kind of locate something and then move towards towards what you're going after. So it just really adds a different element. And again, it's lightweight, so you can bring it with you and pop it up when you need it. Um, and it's really a lot of fun. If you haven't tried it, definitely check them out. Um, it's something I highly recommend if you're doing any Western hunting, whitetail hunting. They have an elk one, um, a number of different options, but definitely check them out. They're a blast. All right. So let's. I'm kind of uh, enthralled by this whole hunting on really flat ground, right? Um, so when you're out there in Eastern Colorado, it's super flat, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's right. There's hardly any terrain. Okay. So you're, you're, you would think that, okay, it's going to be easy to locate that these deer, if there are any out there, um, is that, I mean, is it easy to find them if you're glassing from the road or from that grain truck or is it still difficult to, to locate them? Yeah, so when I say flat, I mean, there is some terrain, you know, but it's very, very gradual. Right. So you just have to be in a certain position or a certain area to be able to see as, as far as possible. And, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty difficult. And, and part of that difficulty is just the, the grass, the tall grass. I mean, they blend in like crazy. You... You literally can't see them unless they stand up, and even then, gotcha. you're you're just looking at the tops of the antlers. But you know, you you really just have to wait them out, and it's a waiting game as far as just being able to lay eyes on one. And then once you do, you you kind of make a game plan, get the wind right, and 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 try it and right. go after it. So you know, in the Midwest, we hunt bedding, we hunt travel corridors we hunt staging areas food sources and pinch points what are you trying to hunt i mean obviously they probably still have a bed to feed routine of some sort um how did you approach hunting deer out there where there's probably not a lot of pinch points yeah it's it's totally different i i mean i've hunted western kansas for a few years and that I thought was difficult, but Eastern Colorado where I'm hunting is, is even, is even tougher. It's just, there's no trees. Whereas my Kansas property has hunting some river bottom. So you've obviously got some funnels and, and corridors there, but literally out here, it was where I was hunting in Eastern Colorado. It's just a different ball game, yeah. similar, but different, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I really, honestly, I would like more options. You know, I, I didn't really, it was one of those things where I thought I was going to get my Kansas tag. So I didn't really go out in the summer and do as much door knock. I didn't do any door knocking. I kind of showed up in October and was like, you know, where do I go? And the first property, it was a bust, you know, and that was a couple thousand acres, but it really, there was no sign there. So, 
even though it looks good and it was on a small river bottom, there just weren't any deer there. So I kind of went back to square one. I went into town and with all my camo on, it's kind of a tip, you know, you, you go into uh, a diner. That was my plan with, and with my camo on, I was hoping I would be able to attract or somebody to get me, somebody to ask, you know, what, what am I doing? What am I hunting? And, and that's exactly what happened. And so I lucked out and uh started talking with a guy and had breakfast with him and all of a sudden he's like well why don't you come out and hunt my place and uh so that's what i did and, and it, it just turned out to be that it did hold deer but it was all just open grass so yeah it's it's definitely different that's for sure so is this something you're going to pursue for this upcoming year um is to head back out to eastern colorado and and try to chase some of these whitetails or are you hoping not to do that and go into kansas yeah i i doubt i will hunt eastern colorado i i i'm pretty i'm almost positive i'll get my kansas tax considering i didn't get it last year i got one point and i was looking at the draws and and you should you should draw with with one point so i put in for that so i'll for sure get that and then I have three points in Iowa, so me and a buddy are planning on hunting out there. But the unit we units we want to hunt, you know, it's it's still a chance that we won't get drawn. So um, if we don't get Iowa, I would say it's probably a good possibility. But if I do get the Iowa tag, it's basically just going to be Kansas and Iowa. I'll hunt Kansas on the weekends and you know days I can kind of sneak out there. It's only five hours from where I live, and then Iowa will just be a week trip. But we'll see if it's in the cards it's nice that eastern colorado is only from where i hunt it's probably only about three and a half hours so it's a little closer so maybe some late season hunting but uh not not totally sure yet okay i i completely forgot that you were even in iowa um in <laughs> what was it late march right yeah yeah last week of march we were out there okay so your goal when you came came to Iowa was to do some scouting for that upcoming, uh, you know, this year, if you were to draw. So tell me a little bit about that, uh, that scouting trip that, uh, you know, that you came here for, and then talk about, you know, where you were looking, what did you find? And, uh, do, do you think you have a place now kind of figured out where you're going to be hunting if you do get drawn? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I was in talks with you and, and, and you were able to kind of get, give some local, uh, not necessarily local, but definitely Intel. You showed me some of the resources that the, uh, Iowa DNR has, and that's, that was pretty cool. So we're, we're going to hunt public land. We didn't do any door knocking. So we had kind of scoped out some certain areas just based on Google earth and, and looking at the maps and what's available. So, um yeah so we got out there and we were just out there for a, a long weekend we we got in on friday or thursday i can't remember we were in there either thursday night or friday morning and basically took two days to walk around um i also have another friend down there that pointed me in some good spots as well that he has hunted so that was a big help but you know, we kind of just looked at the maps. We had a game plan, kind of a just a general idea of what we were looking at or looking for. 
and uh, did a lot of driving, kind of found spots that we could access, and and we did a decent amount of walking around. The problem was, I don't know if you remember or not, but I basically got pounded with <laughs> thunderstorms that weekend, so kind of our time was limited because because of those storms, but it was it was a productive trip it definitely helped to be able to go out there and learn the landscape um even if we didn't necessarily find spots that we thought were perfect you know like covered up and signed but we found we found a lot of spots that we know we don't want to go to or that are kind of like mediocre and then some that look pretty good so at least we we're not going to waste a a full day starting out and we'll have a better idea going into it right so on this little scouting trip that you went on, what were you looking for uh, specifically in a piece of property that, you know, said, okay, I want to come back here this fall? The the main thing I, I look for is just areas that are generally tough to access. Um, so we were trying to access spots that you had to go across a river you know, to get to. And some of those we didn't go into because we didn't have a kayak or anything. But um, those were kind of the spots that we were looking for just to start. And so we found some areas that we thought looked pretty good. Uh, But to be honest, like I didn't find anything that really like screamed, screamed out to me. But part of the problem was, is that we didn't have the tools necessary to to be able to access those spots. So if I come back or when we come back, I will have a kayak with me. There was a few good spots that if we just got across this river, um, there was a lot of good trails and kind of sign leading up to that. So I think those could be pretty good. Um, other than that, you know, obviously you look for the general stuff, uh, you know, scrapes, rubs, kind of general deer activity. But main thing is, is, we were looking for other signs of hunters. Um, if we found tree stands, if we found kind of beaten down like access paths from people walking in or quad tracks or whatever, we knew that really wasn't an area we wanted to be in. Right. Okay. So as you start going in and weeding out some of these places, like you mentioned, you found some places that were bad. Um, and then you found some that were okay. If our number one piece doesn't pan out, we have these backup pieces uh, to kind of go to. Yeah. Were the were the pieces that you were looking at? You know, they were all public ground pieces. Were yep. they large or small type of uh, properties? A little bit of both. There's there's one tract of land that's that's pretty pretty big and it's kind of chunked up into different areas. So that's kind of going to be our starting point. That's option one. We thought that was the best area based on what we saw and, and based on what we um, looked at as far as maps and local intel from my buddy. Um, but yeah, there's a number. I mean, there's there's so much public land around there. And I'm, I'm one of those guys that no matter how much you pre-scout, there's always going to be for the next season whether it's hunting pressure or different food sources or you know really wet year or dry year that can affect different conditions and and food sources as well so I've always had the mentality that you're gonna have to adjust 
Um, you know, the, the main thing again, was just learning the, the lay of the land, potential spots to access. And then when we actually get out there, it's going to be kind of going with the flow, reading the sign for that day, because what's hot one day, you know, what might, might be good, uh, you know, for one or two days might be dead, you know, the next three. So you kind of got to keep moving and, and keep bouncing around. Gotcha. Gotcha. So did you walk away from your Iowa trip feeling, I mean, what was your feeling leaving Iowa? Uh, were you positive? Were you, um, I mean, I, were you op, did, did, yeah, I can't even talk. Were you, <laughs> uh, were you optimistic or did you, or were you pessimistic? Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's Iowa. So that's, that's, that's one thing. I mean, uh, there's not necessarily a giant behind every tree, but right. public land hunting in Iowa is going to be, um, you know, better than let's say Michigan where I grew up. So, right. um, you know, overall positive. And I know, I know there's good deer in the area. It wasn't like one of those things where we we're picking up giant sheds everywhere and, right. and finding all sorts of monster rubs and all that stuff that you dream about. But, you know, we found some small sheds and, and, we're able to, I, I jumped a buck that was bedded. Um, I, I used Onyx map to Onyx maps on my phone to mark locations and, and some of those spots where we saw deer and, and all that stuff. So I think overall, I mean, very positive. And like I said, we're just trying to learn the lay of the land and, and really what not to hunt. So we're not wasting our time, uh, right. starting out there. Right. Um, so between now and then let's say when does iowa draw oh yeah i think so yeah you gotta you have between may and i think beginning of june to to apply so yeah i think it's shortly after it might even be mid to late june something like that okay so then uh let's say you, you get drawn what happens from the time that you get drawn to the time that you actually hunt any additional trips to Iowa for more scouting or are you, is it all digital from there? It's really going to be all digital from there. Um, we're not going to take another trip, although it would be nice, but you know, it all comes down to time and and money and resources tags. (laughs) But the way we look at it, I'm already, I'm already over a grand deep, you know, by the time I get that tag and the trip out there and the preference points. So I think we've got a good idea. Digital scouting is definitely going to help, but I, from, from, from what we have learned from being out there and digital scouting, I know exactly where I'm going to go first day. If if that, if that makes sense. So we've got a, we've got a good game plan. I, I really don't need to do anything else. Um, as far as getting out there, but definitely some more digital scouting and, and kind of putting in the time that way. Okay. So your Kansas piece of property that's in Western Kansas, I take it. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that's uh real, real or five hours away. Um, is the, is the terrain there similar to your Eastern Colorado or is there more terrain and more, you know, trees where you're hunting at there? Yeah, a little bit more terrain and and definitely more trees. Um, there's not any where I hunt. There's not a ton of like CRP, but there's a lot more little funnels and 
pinch points uh, because of some of those low creeks and, and river bottoms. So that's really nice. So kind of out there, I do a mix of stand hunting, tree stand hunting, and uh, and spot and stock. It just kind of depends. I've, I've found actually ground hunting is kind of the way to go. I, I sit stationary in the mornings or whenever I go out, just try to get a vantage. And then if I see something, I'll go after it. But I sit in an area where like maybe a river bottom that, you know, something could cruise by. But if I see something out in the field, I'm going to I'm going to go bombing after it. So it's a, it's a little bit of both. It's kind of like the happy medium between eastern Colorado and Iowa, I would say. Gotcha. gotcha. I take it you can see uh, a lot longer uh, distances than, let's say, like in Michigan or Iowa. As far as let's say you're in a tree stand, there's just a lot more to see as far as observation oh for sure yeah yeah and i i remember the first time me and my buddy uh joey we hunted kansas we got out there this was public ground this was um not the land i'm hunting now but it was one of those things where (laughs) i was like how how do i even how do you even hunt this you know because it was completely different it was so open there weren't there weren't a lot of trees and it's like there's no deer out here. I mean, they're, right. yeah, I would be able to see them, but it's crazy. They just stand up out of nowhere. They'll bed in little like little pockets, or you might see a little uh, a dead tree out in the middle of a field that has some brush and stuff kind of grown up in it. I've, I've watched some giant deer just crawl out of little pockets like that. So they will literally hide anywhere, which is cool, you know, because I mean you can see that and you can kind of see it unfold. Whereas if you're hunting in big timber. You know, a lot of times you, you might see them for, you know, 15 seconds uh, before you can get a shot or, 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 you know, before they disappear. So it's it's kind of cool. It's intimidating at first, but, yeah, I've, I've grown to uh, really, really love the, the terrain and kind of having that mix of, of tree stand, um, stationary hunting, and also play a little bit of uh, spot and stock in the mix. Right. Um so this Kansas piece of property, is it public ground too or private? These are private chunks. I have, I have two, okay. two farms there okay. that I've uh, gotten permission to hunt. Okay. And have they produced for you over the years? Um, I've, only, I've only hunted it for the one year. Like I said, I didn't get the tag last year, but um, yeah, I missed – they're really good farms actually. I mean I've – on the one piece I had, there were five bucks that I had on camera and most of them I saw, um, you know, not necessarily encounters, but, um, that were over 150. Nice. And, on, and then on the other farm, there was a typical 12 point. He was, he's pushing 170. So, I mean, there was, there was, there was a lot of good deer out there. I mean, the numbers aren't like they would be on the Eastern side of the state or, you know, more central, but there's where you do find deer there the age class is really really good so i i've grown i've grown to love the, the those properties and i kind of feel like i lucked into the lottery cuz i'm the only one hunting them which is cool oh, nice so <laughs> was that just a, a door knock type of situation too it was yeah so i kind of kind of found I, I originally started out thinking i was going to hunt the the walk in areas because kansas has the walk-in hunter access program so that's kind of what focused my search and i focused around that initially hunting some of those pieces that were on river bottom and 
from there, I was like, well, it'd be great to get some private land. So I kind of started branching out in that immediate area and just went door after door after door. And, and uh, it was kind of funny. The, fir- the first door I actually knocked on, it was it was actually the best farm and it ended up being a couple thousand, a couple thousand acres. And they said, yeah. So I was like, first, first door knock, you know, I'm going to rack up 20, I'm going to, I'm going to rack up 20,000 acres in a matter of no time. But it turned out not to be the case. I got one other farm after that. Um, it's another couple thousand acres. So I, I, I've got some terrain to cover and it, it's not all like supreme, you know, out of that 4,000 or let's say, I mean, Maybe only a thousand or less is actually good deer hunting. A lot of it's just open crop fields and stuff where you can't actually hunt in. Yeah, you might be able to locate them, but you're not going to kill anything in those fields um, like that. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, a lot of people get intimidated by door knocking. It's one of those things you just got to go and do it. And it's a numbers game, as you know. I mean, I know you've done a a number of door knocking. And and, uh, the more you do it, the better you get. And it's all about building that relationship. I, uh, I've become friends with these people, you know, I mean, they invite me in, they, I've had dinner with them. They, I help out around the farm when I can, you know, ask them what I can do. I, I stay in touch with them. So it's really about building that relationship. And, and, um, even if they say no, I mean, going back and just touching face, uh, year after year, you never know what it may lead to. That's a fact, my friend. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, that right there is almost perfect. That was 30 minutes to right there. All right. So I tell you what, man, uh, I don't know. We'll probably have to get on again before the, uh, um, I don't know, before the seasons uh, start again. But if I don't, if I don't talk to you then, good luck uh, for your Iowa hunt your elk hunt, your, uh, I don't know, are you doing anything else other than Kansas? Um, yeah, no, no, I might do, a. actually in Eastern Colorado, I might do a antelope hunt. Oh, Archery yeah. season starts, I think mid August or somewhere along there. So if I can, if I can get access to a property that holds some antelope, I, I'm thinking about doing that because it's kind of out in the middle of or, you know, it's, it's, it's not coinciding with, with any uh, archery elk hunting. So that'd be a cool way to start off the season doing a little antelope hunting on the Eastern Plains. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Mr. Adam Parr, thank you very much, man. Hey, appreciate it, Dan. Anytime. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Adam for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to do this. Uh, I know that was short notice, so big props to you. Huge, gigantic Boone and Crockett shout out to each and every one of you who took the time to download this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you haven't had the opportunity to do so, be sure to check out the partners of this podcast, and that's Wasp, Ripcord, Exodus, Deer Lab, Lone Wolf, Ozonics. Those companies are badass. You need to check them out. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, Last but not least, if you haven't followed me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram yet, be sure to do that. Um, Thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, Also, go to, let's see, iTunes, leave a review. And uh, guys, I 
it's like I'm beating a dead horse and I'm, I hear my kids crying in the background. So I'm going to make this quick. If you're in a tree, wear your damn safety harness.